And I think that where people go wrong talking about personal branding is that they're like, there's all these things like you're, and you're, you've listened, you've rattled a bunch of them off. Like, what are your values? What's your purpose? Like, what's, it's like all these existential questions flying at your head. And for what? The way I think about personal branding, what it really is when it comes down to it, in my opinion, um, is point of view. Looking at what do you want to see more of and less of in your industry? Like what's something a client or, or a customer or some a colleague says to you that you're like, if one more person says that to me, it will be far too soon. Um, and here's what I would like to reply to all of those people. Or when a colleague says something to you and you're like, yes, absolutely. I've been dying to talk about this. Let's go. Those are the things that you want to be talking about and sharing. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we help professionals navigate the emotional and promotional sides of the job search in order to stress less and earn more in their careers. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Hilary Weiss to the podcast. Hilary is a creative director, positioning coach, and founder of Statement Peace Studio. She's also the co-host of the cult favorite YouTube marketing talk show, Hilary and Margot Yell at Websites. Definitely check it out. She's also had her work featured on Business Insider, The Next Web, The Observer, and more. Hillary is on a mission to help small businesses define their statement piece, aka their bold point of view that makes them radically relevant to their perfect people. This brings us right into today's conversation where we are talking about being yourself online, the differences between a personal and a professional brand, and how to be authentic in the image that you put out and the words that you say on the internet. We also address a really hot topic question of how honest should you be in the job search? And is it okay to lie? Stay tuned for that. If you like this show, I hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and help more job seekers build their careers. And be sure to connect with Hillary in the links below in the show notes. That's all for the intro today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Hillary Weiss. Are there any like interesting things on your mind lately that have been just like catching your eye as it comes to the personal and professional branding stuff? Well, this is, so I, it's interesting because it's like, we're working with coders and we're working with people who don't want to interact with humans. And it's like, does everyone need a personal brand? And the answer is no. Like you don't necessarily need a personal brand in order to have a job like that pays well. And that's the reality. But I think that the beautiful thing about building a personal brand, even if it's really small scale, even if it's just making regular posts on LinkedIn, like about what you're doing and the way you see things, it actually gives you more freedom. Um, I think what's, what's interesting about the world we're living in now is we're kind of like, everyone is a personal brand because of social media. So if you have a digital presence, you have a personal brand. Um, does that mean you necessarily need fonts and colors and fancy photos? No. Um, but taking the time to use whatever platform you prefer to share your ideas, your point of view, your personal philosophy around your work, even if you don't necessarily want to be speaking on stages or if you don't necessarily want to build a huge following, it's still A, a really good exercise uh, to get you clear on what you think. And B, it's a way for people who connect with your message and who may have great opportunities for you, you know, in realms that you really care about to find you uh, and resonate with you and and, and enjoy the way that you see things. Um, and I think that this is also comes down to the same question of like, well, I'm not creative. Do I have to do this? And I think everybody is creative. 
um, and using whatever platform you prefer and sharing your ideas is an opportunity to share that creativity um, and to share that that point of view that also not only establishes you as more of an expert in the market and a voice if you want to be one, um, but it also gives people a, a who you already work with and know a different way to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we think personal brands, we think like, okay, I need the shiny photo and I need a website and I need like a huge social media following. You don't. For the, the, the definition, I think, of personal branding should change. Um, because when you're showing up online and, and sharing ideas, like that is your brand. And, and I love that we're talking about authenticity in the context of the job search too, because imagine if you apply for a job um, or imagine actually you're a hire or you're someone who's hiring um, and you're looking through someone's link, LinkedIn account and you're actually reading their thoughts on the work that they do and what they're bringing to the table and sharing how they solve problems. Doesn't that make you an even more appealing candidate? And doesn't that increase your chances for ending up somewhere you really belong because people love what you're working on? Yeah, and it really does widen the concept of a personal brand, right? And this is actually one of the things that I wanted to dig into with you is, you know, so much of the job search messaging is hyper self-focused. It's figure out what your passion is, figure out what your drive is, figure out what your vision and values and, and mission statement and all this stuff. It's like, and there's literally books like treat yourself like a company, right? And obviously there's parts of that that are good. Um, that yep. can help you with self-awareness, that can help you with a lot of things, but it can also lose the point. And like- it, You can lose the plot, yeah. Right, and it also completely ignores your audience, right? It ignores mm. the fact that you need a job, right? I could go into a company and be like, I love having coffee with people and talking <laughs> to people. And that's just my thing, I love that. And they're like, great, yeah. but can you write a resume? Like, like <laughs> at, at a certain point you need to tie it to their needs. And I, you know, you've got this yeah. amazing background in marketing and branding. And Thank you. Um, yeah. I was listening to some of your work and you were talking about how like the personal brand sometimes loses the connection to the audience. So what are your thoughts around yeah. that in, in the mindset of like a company being your audience? Yeah. And this is, and this is so, cause I'm glad you actually watched this episode. Y'all uh, Martin has done his homework and watched my show on YouTube. <laughs> Ham y'all. That's short. Go for follow Margo. it. Go subscribe. Yeah, websites. It's a good one. It's a, it's a happy little show where our audience is small, but, but highly but growing. For a week. We call ourselves a cult hit marketing show. And I really I can't it. think of a better descriptor. <laughs> Um, But this is where, so the question we posed on that episode was um, when we think personal brand, when we think authenticity, for some reason, it's really easy to slide into this idea of like reading your diary out loud to people. Like, is it authentic? Is it inauthentic if you're having a bad day not to talk about it online? Is it inauthentic when you had a shitty experience not to go, oh, is swearing allowed on this podcast? By all means. Excellent. So if you had a shitty day uh, and you're not, if, or if you had a shitty experience at work or with a past employer and you're not dragging them, you know, in your posts, is that inauthentic? And the answer is, of course not. Um, but I think that what gets people anxious about showing up as a personal brand is this idea of revealing too much, of oversharing, of going in the wrong direction. And so I love that you you talked about this in the context of showing up as a personal brand, as a job seeker and having companies be the audience. That's so, so important to consider um, because you wanna think about in your new role, 
if, if you're approaching personal branding and creating content, even if it's just LinkedIn posts, if you're pursuing it from that place of a personal brand who's speaking to a company, then it's going to open up a lot of options for you to discuss because that gives you the opportunity to think about what kind of role do you want to be in next and what do you want to be doing and what kind of conversations and discussions and ideas that you have link up with this new role and this, the way you see things and you know your point of view and your zone of expertise. I think that's such a great reason to share that with the company in mind. So you don't necessarily have to be sharing like your breakfast or the fight you had with your partner last night, but to be authentically sharing your, again, point of view, perspective, personal philosophies around what you do. It also gives companies so much more context as to who you are and the way you do things. And ultimately, if you were to be hired, what you could help them create. Well, and I love that what you're saying there, because it's, there's this, when we're trying to showcase our value and share our ideas in that way, right? Even just a post on LinkedIn. One of the interesting things that I see as a coach is there's this immense imposter syndrome that people feel during the job search, right? They've kind of lost their identity. Maybe they're going through career change. Maybe they got laid off. Something happened and there's this incredible insecurity that crops up. And then they're being told to figure out their passion and create a personal (laughs) brand at the exact same time. It's like, okay, so I feel the worst I've ever felt in my life. And I need to figure out what my life's purpose is all at the same time while stressing about money. Um, Yeah, right. I got bills to pay somewhere in all this. And I got rejected by my favorite job. So um, (laughs) I'm curious, you know, when when you think about... um, developing your personal brand and finding your voice and finding your authenticity. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's a lot of trial and error in there, but like at yeah. wh- when is it helpful? Like when does building your personal brand actually help you figure out these things? And when mm-hmm. can it actually be harmful if you're like kind of in a bad place? It's, it's one of those things. So what is handy? So in my space, I work in, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been self-employed for the last 10 years. So building a personal brand was how clients found me. You know, it was how I made a name for myself, built that brand equity and brand recognition that I need in order to get paid. What's handy about being someone working to build a personal brand, um, approaching career and like a next job at a company is that you can take breaks in a way that the rest of us can't. So I think um, to, I'll answer your, your, the latter question first. And I think a time when it's not great to build your personal brand is when, again, you are extremely overwhelmed to the point where you can't even think straight necessarily. Does it have to be top priority? No. Like we're in this context, we're talking about personal brand as an enhancement to the job searching process as something that can add depth. um, And I think a lot of value potentially. And I find it's something that is obviously it would be easiest to work on when things are going well. Um, And then maybe you're thinking about a next job and you're like, I want to start talking about this and just sort of see what comes through. Fantastic. Um, But where it can become overwhelming is if you're spinning a million plates. And if you're like, okay, we got the job hunt, we got to pay bills. I'm stressed out. I'm angry because you're not going to do your best work. A and second, it's just not top priority for you in that moment. If you're feeling stressed out. So I'm gonna let all of y'all off the hook if we're in that zone. However, we don't want to 
you don't necessarily want to constantly make excuses for yourself for not showing up if creating a personal brand for yourself is appealing and what you want to do. Um, and I think that where people go wrong talking about personal branding um, is that they're like, there's all these things like you're, and you're, you list, you rattled a bunch of them off. Like, what are your values? What's your purpose? Like, what's, it's like all these existential questions flying at your head and for what? Um, but I think the way I think about personal branding, what it really is when it comes down to it, in my opinion, um, is point of view is looking at what do you want to see more of and less of in your industry? Like what's something a client or, or a customer or some, a colleague says to you that you're like, if one more person says that to me, it will be far too soon. Um, and here's what I would like to reply to all of those people. Or when a colleague says something to you and you're like, yes, absolutely. I've been dying to talk about this. Let's go. Like this is, those are the things that you want to be talking about and sharing. I actually have a tool for this called the statement piece framework. It's free on my website. If you guys want to grab it, it's prompts for content like this, because all great personal branding starts not necessarily by isolating your quote unquote values or finding your purpose in life, which if you've done that, honestly, good for you, good for you. Uh, I think that's amazing if you feel like you found your purpose, but also a lot of people aren't necessarily finding their purpose in their day job. So let's not get so lofty that we lose the plot, as we said. Um, but I think that building that personal brand and coming at that um, from the perspective from the perspective of somebody who's already in a career, um, it is really, really handy to, again, take the time to cre start creating a little bit of content, whether it's posts, videos, your own podcast, whatever you like, to start examining what you think. Like, what is your point of view? What, what are the ideas you want to anchor into? So that it gives you depth, uh, beautiful depth for job seeking externally. And also if you're in a company, it can really build that recognition internally where someone's like, yeah, I saw that post. Let's talk about it. You got an idea. So those are kind of think the two scenarios where it makes a lot of sense uh, if you've got the energy to spare. Uh, and then if you don't and everything is dire, you can set down the personal brand aspect, at least in my opinion, you're a coach. What are your, you're a coach for these folks. What well, do you think? I, I think you're right on point. It's like at a, yeah. at, there's, there's different phases of building your personal brand, I think. And, yeah. you know, there's, everyone has an opinion on what a personal brand is. And like, I've actually moved away from the term personal brand to professional brand, just to take some yeah. pressure off of people and be like, Smart. stop worrying about your whole life right now. And just start worrying about like the, the sales message for the company, right? Because yeah. most people who are trying to find a job, honestly, and this is a, a big difference between people who have been entrepreneurs and people who have just worked at companies is that entrepreneurs kind of had to sit down and go, why would someone pay me money? Like, why would they? It's an important question it's to a ask big, It's oneself. a real important question, yeah. right? But yep. a lot of people who have been in jobs most of their career, they, I'll say, what's the ROI of your role? And they don't understand the value it plays to the bottom line of a business. Like, I'm Absolutely. a developer. I make websites more efficient. And I'm like, and that does what for a business, right? Like, So why? they can blank. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think like, if you're at this stage where you are getting existential and you're not ready yes. for it, maybe just go look at a bunch of like consulting websites of people who do web development and steal their sales copy. Like that's like, that could be the baseline of your personal but brand. I'm, I'm, but, but 
pushing back on Steve. I was a copywriter <laughs> for 10 years. Don't steal someone's copy. But yeah, I think it's, but also look around and also realize what conversations, like look around to comfort yourself and recognize what conversations are missing. Yes. Like that's the other thing, because this is a great, oh, great. Another reason to build a personal brand is uh, taking the opportunity to expand the conversations in your space. Like if there's conventional wisdom that behind closed doors, everyone agrees on, but no one's talking about publicly and you bring that to the forefront. Oof. Absolutely. Flame emojis. Flame well, emojis and, and that's one of the things that I, one of the things that I really liked about your shows is when you go and look at websites and critique them because yeah. there's, I think so often, and I, I say steel, steel feels copy a bit facetiously because I know no one's going to go do it. Um, <laughs> there we go. No one ever listens to my advice, but there's, <laughs> there is this really funny thing that I think happens um, when we are putting ourselves out there for the first time, mm -hmm. where we start seeing everyone similar to us, and but only seeing the people that are more further yeah. ahead, right? Um, I think the creator of Rick and Morty said, uh, you don't go home at the end of the day and watch TV shows that are worse than what you can create. He goes, yeah. you only go and look at things that are better than you. And then you always feel subpar in relation to it. <laughs> That's and true. So yeah. one of the things that I like about how you sort of go through and look at websites and kind of critique them is like, you're actively proving to yourself that not everyone is perfect as and us you actually have an opinion on things and i like mm -hmm. how you phrase it it's like what is your point of view what is your opinion and maybe sometimes you need to get out of your own way and go look at the wide breadth of not so great stuff that's out there to make yourself yeah. feel a little better and show that you do have a perspective on these things what sort of things have you learned in your work of like looking at people's websites or even going back and critiquing your own websites. And oh like yeah, that. all the time. We actually, our first episode ever of Hamia, we actually roasted our first website <laughs> and that was a lot. So y'all can watch that first episode. We apologize for the lighting and the audio. Um, that took some work over the years. But I think that, so we don't do that as often on Hamia just because it can be, you know, it can be kind of one, a little bit one note to just mm -hmm. do all website critiques across the board, which is why we talk about a range of topics. Um, but I often do this for my clients. I do actually positioning coaching for creative service providers and entrepreneurs. So designers, coders, VAs, copywriters. I work with developers. I work with strategists, consultants, all coaches, all those cats. Um, and we do a lot of looking at their websites. Of course, we actually have a whole session where we go line by line and look at their current site and how do we update it with the refreshed positioning and, and messaging. And one thing I see is that a lot of people kind of pull the punch on their site. A lot of people will uh, will default to echoing what is really common in the industry because they are afraid of making waves. They're afraid of being seen as quote unquote not professional for going against the grain or not using certain words or even using plain language instead of jargon. And to a point, I think that there's there's, especially in a corporate environment, there's something to be said for speaking the lingo. Like, I'm not going to tell somebody like, no, we're now going to speak only in like New Brooklyn slang. Huzzah. Um, <laughs> but I think that the, the, a lot of what I see is that there is a lot of hesitation around planting your flag in the ground on anything. Like whether it's a belief, whether it's even a target, um, a target market rather, or whether it's something like really being able to speak up to something that you do well. So a lot of people sh like soften what could be really sharp and powerful on their sites because they are, I think, worried again of putting their stake in the ground. And this is the, the challenge. Everything in business, everything in personal branding, everything in showing up and being creative in public has to do with betting on yourself. 
Um, and so a big, and I, I'm sure it's the same thing in career coaching, you know, make put sending in that application, even if you don't have every qualification, because you're betting on yourself. You're like, you know what? I think I know I can do this. Like, let me look, let me check the scoreboard. Okay. Um, and that's something I see, I think most often is again, defaulting to what everyone else is kind of doing and saying to play it safe. And that creates, unfortunately, a pretty terrible disconnect often, especially in the entrepreneurial world, um, between what people see of you on the internet, which might be a little bland and vanilla, and what you're like behind the scenes. Because if you're not bland and vanilla, they're going to be like, oh, this is not who I was expecting to speak to. And they may be delighted, but you don't necessarily want to surprise people with your point of view and personality um, only on a sales call. You know, that's something you want. That's a gong you want to be ringing in everything that you do. So you become memorable. So you have that, that, so you start building that trust and that instant recognition, whether again, it's a website or a post on LinkedIn. And that piece there about building trust, that's such a huge yeah. piece in the job search that people don't fully wrap their minds around. And that's why they say things like, I love to solve problems. And I go, <laughs> and? and I'm like, <laughs> someone needs a dog walk. Do you want to go do that? Yeah. And they're like, well, no, I don't want to do that. Well, then you don't like to solve problems. Like you like to solve yeah. very specific problems. And, and I like how you're kind of digging into that specificity because I think the, the general feeling that people have is number one, I don't want to be pigeonholed. And yeah. number two, yeah. I don't want to uh, limit my job opportunities, but by not limiting, you actually end up limiting because you're so, you know, how do you talk to a fashion brand one day and a food brand the next day and keep yourself sane, right? Yeah. Um, yep. So where is that? Um, what are your thoughts on being pigeonholed and the ability to change over time? Oh man, I'm so glad that you asked this because we see this a lot. I'm sure it's this, it's we see this a lot in the entrepreneurial space. Where everyone's like, "What's my niche? Niche, niche, niche." The riches are the riches are in the niches, like depending on how you pronounce niche or niche, I guess. Um, but and so we have a lot of that fear. Like there's there's team, like there's camp niche as hard as you possibly can. Like I only sell three bean casseroles to dog walkers with blue hair. Um, <laughs> and then there's folks over here who. Um, so a colleague of mine, I forget who it was, made a hilarious post the other day. She was like, the scariest thing you can ever say to a marketer is we sell to everybody, yeah. you know, because you don't want to cast that net so wide. But the, the middle ground is, and I think when people think about specificity, they think they have to pick a single industry. They have to pick like a certain type of uh, profession or focus. But in reality, uh, honing your honing your focus can look like speaking to a certain corner of the industry. Like, let's say you work in B2B SaaS. That's a huge, you want to work in B2B SaaS companies. That's a huge range of opportunity in a focal point that can utilize your skills very well, but doesn't necessarily keep you from options, you know, and there's, there's a lot of opportunity in that space. Similarly, you know, when I talk to my students, I have some of them who say things like, oh, I'm a copywriter and I want to work for, I, I don't want to pigeonhole myself, but I really love helping mission-driven organizations who are really tied to their values and who are who care about social good. And that is also a, a specific focal point, which covers a range of industries and opportunities. Um, so it has, that's why I think they, they ask you when you're branding. I know we've been like, nah, values, you don't have to worry about that. But that's another thing to think about. Um, and I think the fear of pigeonholing is also never as serious as we think. Like if mm -hmm. someone sees that you do one thing, but they're attracted to your message, they're attracted to the way you see things and the way you're showing up, they're probably going to ask anyway. 
they're like, ah, so you do this, but would you be interested in working on that? So the, the fear of being pigeonholed while understandable is not as dire, I think, as we would initially lead ourselves to believe when we're thinking about it. And of course, nobody ever wants to miss out on an opportunity because they made the wrong call. But overall, most folks, when they reach the point of career where they're looking for higher level positions, when they're past like the initial years in their early 20s of kicking off their career, you kind of look around and you're like, here's the work that I enjoy. Here's who I enjoy doing it for. Here's where I think I can really make a difference. That should be your focus as opposed to, you know, three bean casserole to dog walkers with blue hair. <laughs> there's, but there's such thing as too niche. Right, That's right. Funny. And I think when yeah. people are trying to figure it out too, sometimes they spend too much time alone and too much time on like yeah. the internet versus talking to real people. So what is yeah. maybe like someone will come up to me and they'll be like, here's my vision. And I'm like, where did you get that from? Like, that's not tied <laughs> to reality at all. Um, and so yeah. like, what, what is like that balance of like doing stuff on your own in a, in a box mm -hmm. isolated yeah. and putting it out and testing it against the world and then maybe having to adapt. Cause sometimes people spend yeah. six months building a brand only to launch it. And then realize you're the gap and you put a bad logo out there or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, are, how do you sort of build the that disrespect? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that I think, so what I always do with my clients and this is, ugh, this, I'm so glad you brought this up because I've had, I've had people look at me in the face across like parties and be like, what is my brand? And I'm like, what? Well, I don't know. You, I can't, I'm not like a slot machine where you put coins like up my nose and your brand comes <laughs> out, you know, it just doesn't, that's not how it works. Um, so many people see the process of branding and I see this, companies make this mistake a lot where, as you say, like they are building their brand in isolation. Like they think it's good. Their, their colleagues think it's good. So let's go. When in reality, building a brand has to start facing your audience. If you decide you want to build a brand and anchor your message or ideas into one category or talk about a certain thing or share a certain point of view, that actually starts with sharing content and sharing these ideas as opposed to going off in a hole and accidentally creating a crappy logo. Um, brands are meant to be built, I think, um, in as an, as an act of escalation. And I've done this with every brand that I've ever built where when I'm ready to change, I start, my message changes first. The conversations that I'm having change first because that's first of all, the easiest thing to do where I'm just showing up and posting and sharing and I'm getting that feedback. I'm testing it in the real world. I'm figuring out what resonates and what doesn't. Whereas if I went in my little hidey hole and just made the brand in secret and then launched it and I was like, where is everybody? Um, because the principle remains true. I think it's the art of war where it's like best laid plans, never survive first contact with the enemy. Same mm. thing in, in entrepreneurship and in the job search, I'm, I'm guessing, because it is a matter of, uh, you can have one idea, but if your market doesn't respond, you're like, okay, back to the drawing board. But if you are building your brand from this place of test, validate, test, validate, test, validate, build, 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 then you have, first of all, a much better chance of succeeding. Um, and you avoid that, oops, we spent $50,000 and nobody likes it. What now? Um, and I also, I'm very collaborative also with my audience because they are kind of like a focus group for me, which is great. Um, we're very active, very engaged. 
So I'll share with them what I'm working on. I'll, I'll try a new lead magnet. I'll try new ideas. And when I, I ended up retiring from copywriting completely about a year ago, um, but the only way I was able to do that was because I had already started talking about branding and about positioning strategy and, and what I do now in the year before. So I was building, 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 building so that when I officially retired from copywriting, I had a bunch of clients ready to work with me who knew what I sold because I was testing offers in the back end and everything. So brand is a slow escalation uh, as opposed to just an emergence. It's not something that you should necessarily just arrive with uh, out of the blue because you also want to build that anticipation. You want to build that recognition. You want to build that excitement that something's coming or that people have found their person. So that is, uh, that's the way I see it. And maybe some folks would disagree, but it's generally the best way to protect your investment of time and energy uh, is to test these ideas and put yourself out there first to see what comes back. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that because I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of people too. Because I think a mm -hmm. lot of the job search resources are like, if you don't know your purpose in life, you're failing and you need to buy our product. It's like, okay, thanks. You, uh, see, that's the thing. <laughs> Anyone who tells you you absolutely need to have your purpose defined before you can move through your life is trying to sell you something. Exactly. Like, it's helpful. And also, I think I believe your purpose can change over time. I believe it doesn't necessarily stay firm and fluid. And I think that can also, like, deciding you have a purpose and if it's something that you don't like five years down the line, like, that's going to send you into another existential crisis. So hold it lightly. You yes. know, it's not every, it's important to have a clear direction because you can't hit a target you can't see, but hold these, hold these ideas gently. And it's also something that like, I always want to ask when people are like, if you don't know your purpose, what are you doing? I'm like, what's your purpose? <laughs> Helping people find their purpose? Yeah. Mm. It's to help people. It's always yes, to help exactly. people. <laughs> it's always to help people. It's like my, yeah, I, it's like in the coach industry where coaches make lots of coaching money, coaching other coaches to coach coaches when they've never actually built another kind of successful business. It's like, oh, well, it's that's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's a circle jerk as they say, but anyway. well, and that's where the cringiness, I think also scares yeah. people away from building a brand, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that, you know, you said here with that slow growth, slow evolution, what I find to be really funny about branding, because I come from building brands and marketing yeah. the world and everything like that. And, you know, I helped small businesses create logos for many, many years. And uh, half of them didn't even know what the hell they were selling when they were like working with me to build these logos. And, I, and yeah. I'm sure I've done that too. And like, there's this- <laughs> Who among us? Who among really? us has yeah. and build a fun logo <laughs> with no idea what to do with it. And, um, and so I look at that and I go, my journey of figuring out what my brand was, was a slow sort of like <laughs> ego dis like destruction of like, oh, okay, it's not what I wanted it to be. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, yeah. I thought Oops. my brand was this like epic thing when I was 22, <laughs> that I was like working towards this like entrepreneurial lifestyle of like being some whatever. And I like, even down to what I wore, like the clothing I wore every day. And then over the years, people are like, that's not you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, what's me? And like, and like just slowly yeah. being like, okay, wait a second. Everyone comes to me to talk about their jobs. Maybe I should listen to that. Um, I just yeah. got offered a coaching gig when I didn't even try to. Maybe I should listen. Yeah. Like, it's almost kind of like a, a sort of opening yourself up 
to yes. what is happening around you and yep. getting out of your own way in some ways. And I'm curious, you know, throughout your career, what have been the phases of your brand and how has it changed? Glad you asked because I was going to tell you. Anyway, nice. I was like, oh, let me, let me get into <laughs> this one. Well, I, and this is, branding is really a, um, <clears throat> once you're in it for a while, it really does follow the trajectory of like personal understanding and growth that you go through in your adolescence and through to adulthood where you look around and you're like, oh, well, these, this person's doing this cool thing. So maybe I do something like that. And you try on, you know, when you're young and, and you're going through life and you're trying to figure out who you are. Um, you try in a lot of different outfits, right? Maybe you think you want to be, you want to grow into this idea. Maybe you want to try this or that person was cool and you love them. So you want to model something off of that. And I don't think, I think people get a lot of hate for beginners in the branding industry doing a lot of mimicry, but we all start there. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know anyone who was like, all my ideas are perfect and original. And my brand was amazing right out of the gate. <laughs> like they're also lying to you and trying to tell you something for those, <laughs> yeah. or sell you something uh, for those listening. Um, but for me, so my first brand, this is, I didn't, so this, this goes way back. So I started my business at 21 years old. Um, and I, cause it was out of the, the recession. We were out of the, like coming out of the tail end of the 08 recession. And I had a degree in communications, public relations, a second major in anthropology, but I wasn't going to do a lot with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was, I was looking around and jobs were hard to find. So I ended up like getting into the world of copywriting and I teamed up with a friend of mine. Um, who was a designer. So I was a copywriter. She was a designer. And we came up with this brand, Youngblood Sorcery, because we were both young. And it was Source, S-O-U-R-C-E, like Source, get it? Love it. Do you get it? Love it. Um, but, but it was a good one. But it was it was kind of, my, my girl did the branding and it was kind of like, um, like fall colors, like very like geometric chevron patterns, like very of the moment at the time. Um, and I remember we were talking about a rebrand and she wanted to go in a super witchy direction and be like, yeah, we're going to have a tarantula and like a video. I was like, excuse me, we're what? Like, um, all right, let's, let's think this through. Um, we actually ended up going our separate ways because she ended up having other interests, wanted to go back to school. So my first, my first solo website after that, I got my start in a very, very feminine women-led industry. Like I cut my teeth in the coaching and lifestyle sphere. So my first clients for, and you can imagine how interesting that was. Uh, my first gigs as a copywriter were for life coaches, yogis, psychics, oh, um, yeah. authors, you know, people, yeah people in that space. And it was, it was actually fun. It was a good place to start. Um, some people are out of their minds in that corner of the internet, but I, I got lucky for the most part. Um, but we, so my, the first site I put together and you can see it on the first episode of Ham Yacht was very, it was a lot of like pinks and yellow. I'm not really a pink person. I, I love all colors, but you know, so it was a lot of like, it was like sunflowers and it was very like feminine and like curly fonts and like, Hey, gorgeous. How are you? Blah, 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 blah. And that was, that was fun, but it was, I went so on the girly end because every site I saw was using those pastel colors was like greeting people with this like warm, hyper feminine, like, Hey girl, 
way and have these photos that were very there wasn't a, like the photos weren't they were fine um but it was just me kind of standing around um so i was following that trajectory and it took a couple of years before i i and i didn't really love it and it got to the point and this is always how you know the brand is wrong where i was like don't look at my website but, <laughs> but here's here's me and i i realized i was creating that disconnect that i i mentioned to you where it's like you're appearing one way and then when you actually meet me like i'm a new yorker i'm very straightforward i'm not very soft and cuddly mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm uh I am an earth sign so I do like to cuddle but <laughs> the the focus of the brand was very like very familiar very soft and I was like I'm a little edgier than this so my next brand the whole ethos of the rebrand was elegance with edge are you familiar with the brand nasty gal like Sophia yeah. Amoroso's gig yeah yeah back in the day she so that was actually like my model and I had this really cool um, I like, it was my first job time career of directing anything. And so I was like, it's going to be elegance with edge. It's going to be like nasty gal goes to Brooklyn. So I'm in all black in the photos because you know, New York, New York city, um, and <laughs> the colors when we like did away with all the pinks and the yellows and the per and like the seafoam greens. And it was like just blues, blacks and tans. Um, I was actually really proud of it. It was very geometric, looked really cool. Um, it was like me in like a backwards baseball cap doing like my tomboy thing and stuff, really pushing against that uh, ultra feminine vibe that I had going. Um, and the jokes were really sharp and the, the website got the job done. Like I had these really cool photos and this kind of like Terry Richardson style where it's like very stark exposure and flash against the white walls. It, it really did well. Um, and it lasted me for about four years before I started looking around and I was like, okay, you know, this was me and now, and that's the beauty, I think of entrepreneurship in general and having a personal brand that you carry with you over de a decade plus is that as you evolve, your brand can too. It's never, you know, the, the, the persona should stay the same in terms of who you are, um, and the way that you share your ideas. Cause that's you, you know, that will stay consistent as default. Um, but when, after my second website or technically third at the time, um, I started looking around and this is when I realized I wanted to quit copywriting and I wanted to do something different in branding. And that's when I started developing the statement piece studio brand, which I have now, uh, if you've checked out my site, it's all primary colors. So it's red, yellow, blue. And the reason for that was one, there's a cool philosophical reason that I'll give you the first one which is less philosophical. I was looking around, I was like, everyone's still doing all these pastels and jewel tones and golds and silver. You know what I'm not seeing? Primary colors, let's <laughs> go. Um, and it helped that I, I, the primary colors bled into the idea, bled into the concept that I was working on for the brand strategy that I was doing, where we take, we are essentially distilling you in the strategy that we do down to the essence, the core of who you are um, and primary colors, you distill yeah. all colors down and it's those three. Um, also Mondrian is awesome. And that was an, he was an abstract artist and that mm -hmm. was what he abstracted everything down to. Um, and so that became the big focus of my brand along with this idea of like, of bigness of being, I'm a big personality as you can probably tell. Um, and so a lot of my brand photography and imagery is around that. And the headline is big ideas that stomp off the screen uh, because it was, it was, I'm not just helping people develop brands. I'm helping people really lean into their, their bigness, whatever they want to turn the volume up on. I work with a lot of introverts. So don't let me scare y'all. Um, don't, don't worry. There's different ways to be big and to be, to be strong and, and turn the volume up without screaming and beating people over the head with stuff. But so that was the trajectory my brand followed. And I'm so happy with my current brand. 
Um, it's been in place since 2018, uh, still going strong. We're doing new photo shoots to keep things up to date, but it really feels like me because I had done the work to figure out like what was wrong with the past brands. What are we evolving into? Where do we want to go? Because a really great brand won't just support where you are now and show that off. You know, I'm talking like a brand that's like colors, fonts, photos, all those things. It doesn't just support where you are now. It also supports what you want to expand into. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the kind of brand I have now. And that's my very long-winded history of my brand. And what you're showing here is that evolution process, right? Like in practice, like I feel like so many people are like, if I even tell my coach what I want as a career, I will lose every opportunity that could ever come my way. And it's like, no, 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 no. People are We're so dramatic. I know. (laughs) Well, and no one's like- (laughs) Until you get to a certain point, no one sees it. Like the number of websites I've put up and then two months later taken down and then realized no one ever saw that iteration. (laughs) It's like, so you're fine. uh, Yeah. It's like, oh, I've spent a lot of hours on that thing no one saw. And like that, I think is really important for people to realize. And then also, um, there's kind of two sides to it. One is like you're designing with your interests but you're always keeping the user in mind. And yes, absolutely. that's such a big thing. Cause I see very often, especially with UX people and designers, they overdo it. They over design it mm-hmm. because they're like, this is my only creative outlet right now. Let's put everything yes. into it. And I'll get things with like stuff falling from the top of the screen <laughs> or like a well, watermark. Stuff falling or, right now. Yeah. yeah. And, or like everything is in like type, like a uh, old typewriter font. And I'm like, no one can <laughs> yeah. read this. And it's so all the motion, like things are coming in from the side to like scare right. you. I'm like, what? Okay. Anyway. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely Well, And right. that's, and so it's like, we have to be true to ourselves, but we also have to be true to the audience. And that is such an interesting place to find yourself in. It's going to take iteration. It's going to take um, a lot of effort. And like, one of the things I found that was so odd about career therapy is like, the brand is kind of like pink and purple. And Ooh, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know how that happened. Like, I just was like playing around with things. I'm like, that's yeah. the color I like. And it just kept yeah. happening. And it's like, okay, so now I've got a pink brand. I, every other career coach is blue. How strange is that? And like, but it, it resonates with people. And like, when you hear good feedback and you hear people say like, oh, I like that, you just keep inching in those directions while also staying true to you. But I think the thing I wanna bring up here is like with the message, with the brand, with everything you're doing, how do you make sure it's resonating with people? Like, obviously you can put up things, but no one's looking at a job seeker site right now, right? So you could endlessly update. And that's the next piece because literally I'll have people who update their resume 30 times and I'm like, have you sent one out yet? Like, it's like, you're, you're on the fifth version of your portfolio, but no one knows who you are. Um, how do you actually go from like, all right, I've put myself out there. Now I got to see what people are saying about what I've put out there. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you put yourself, get yourself in front of people? Because a lot of what we're talking about is visibility, right? Yeah, We're trying to increase Mm -hmm. people's visibility and maybe you do it in individual conversations, maybe you go all the way to building a website and a brand, but how Mm -hmm. do you show up? How do you make yourself visible in all these different ways? Absolutely. And I think the, a a lot, a piece of this, it's really simple that a lot of people forget about because we think like, if I want to build a personal brand, I have to be on all the platforms all of the time. And it's the same thing with like, not trying to pigeonhole myself, be like, I need to make sure everyone can see me. But if 
nobody who's going to hire you is on like Instagram and Facebook and everyone, like you need to think first. So this brings me to the point that you need to figure out, first of all, where are the people that you want to see you hanging out? And that could be, you know, a social media platform. That could also be in-person meetups. That could be stuff that's happening locally. You know, who knows what's happening with, with COVID right now. But I think that that's what I would encourage people to think about because what gets us into that, like, I'm constantly refining. I'm constantly like my, I have the best looking portfolio ever and nobody has ever seen it. It's because we overwhelm ourselves with the idea that we need to be everywhere. Um, when in reality, especially for a goal, like, like getting a new job, we need to figure out where are the potential employers, where are the people who will be reading our resume, where are they? And then where are the people who would want to be checking out what I have to say? And then really it's a matter of showing up repeatedly. I, sorry. You're good. The music, of, music of New York City in the background, music of Brooklyn, New York in the background here. Um, but I think that, and this is something that I talk about with my clients a lot too, where when it comes to marketing themselves, they overwhelm themselves thinking they need to be everywhere when they don't. They feel like they always have to be super smart and on all the time when they don't. Some of the content's going to be throwaway. That's okay. But what matters is that you're showing up and you're consistently putting yourself out there in public. That's the key. And a lot of the reasons why people will change their resume 50 times, change their portfolio 500 times is that they're like, well, it has to be perfect before anyone can see it. And the truth is, no, it does not. It does not at all. That's the thing. And to your point, you, you come up with all these different iterations of a site that nobody saw. Um, and at the end of the day, does it matter? No, because also your idea of perfection and something being quote unquote finished is probably very different from the casual observer who's checking out your stuff. So take a little of the pressure take a little pressure off yourself, y'all. And also the, the, the idea that we have about this all or nothing, everything, like I can't even say what I want to my coach because then I won't get this job. I can't like, like put myself, put an idea out there because what if someone disagrees? I often find what's helpful to get over that fear because it's imposter syndrome, it's insecurity, it's a fear of being vulnerable, it's all these things. I always remind my clients, it's all because it's a harsh truth, but it's true. Nobody thinks about you as much as you think about yourself. Like you're not tattooing something in blood on your forehead just because you showed up and posted one thing. And so once you kind of realize that this is a game of consistently showing up, this is a game of momentum. This is a game of building and of growth. Then it's a lot less scary to show up and start trying to talk about things consistently because you know nothing is permanent. Everything can change. If you have a small audience, even better because that gives you an option to make mistakes and then change them if you need to. Um, but does that answer your question? I realize yes, I got off there, a bit. Of no, I love it because, and it's so true. Like the, um, <laughs> I actually had this moment years ago. Uh, I was hanging out with a buddy at a networking event, and they said to me you know, I think you're pretty forgettable at these networking events. And I was like, <laughs> ouch, damn. Like, but we were like those kinds of friends. Yeah. We we're very honest with each other. Uh, he's, he's a very flashy, like wear a colorful, you know, oh, jacket yeah, kind of guy. Yeah. And like, and it like made me want to be a different way. And then after a few years of trying to be that other way, I went back to just being not memorable because I was like, <laughs> it's actually a superpower. I get to have multiple yeah. first impressions. And like, there, there are some circumstances yeah. where I was like, this is actually really helpful. And, and yeah. it, it just showed me how, um, how difficult it is to be remembered. 
like mm, sometimes like yeah. and it's like the, on the one hand no one's paying attention to you as much as you're paying attention to you right you think you said something stupid but the person at the party was just thinking about how they said something stupid but the <laughs> the other thing is like everyone has anxiety it's 2021 exactly yeah. and like coca-cola still advertises everywhere because they know if they stop you will stop buying it because you'll forget yep. and they've been around forever like um, and so it, it really reminds me, like I used to have panic attacks going into networking events, thinking everyone here is going to remember me for the worst thing I do tonight. Yeah, and then I yeah. hit a point where I'm like, you kind of have to beat someone over the head for them to remember you. And uh, that is a power. It's a power in one hand because you can test a lot of things yeah. out. Yes, exactly. But it's a struggle on the other hand, because then you're like, well, how do I get remembered. Yeah. And that becomes the back and forth. And that's where the brand can really thrive. And one of the things I'm curious about in your perspective, because people do sort of feel invisible during the job search. And it's yeah, made even more so visceral because you apply to job boards and you hear nothing back and it can be really mm -hmm. deadening. Rejection is tough. Yeah. Yeah. And the question I get asked all the time, and this is maybe the more controversial question that I always laugh when I hear it. It's like, how honest should I be about mm. myself? And this mm -hmm. is where I find it so interesting because brands are not being honest. When they put up a mm -hmm. job listing, it's not real. Like it's 60% maybe. Yep. And like, and I always say, who has been hired for something? You get to the job and they go, actually, we're doing something completely different. This is your job now. And you're like, what? And, and so people uh. are like, well, why do I have to be so honest. And I think what they really mean is like oversharing too much of their insecurities. Exactly. It's like, don't do yeah. that. But it's like, where is that line between authenticity and honesty and oversharing and lying? <laughs> yes, there we go. So I think, the, so it's, it's broader than you think, but harder to find than you realize. Um, I think I always think about this kind of in, a, in like a first date context, right? Like you're showing up to a first date and you want to show your best self. But also if your date is vegan and you're not, you don't want to be like, I'm, yes, the animals, I'm so vegan, <laughs> just raised that way, you know, or also, or, and you also don't want to be like, vegans are terrible. Like you are a scourge upon this nation, be gone. Um, so that's, that's one way to think about it. But I think it all comes back to what we were kind of saying at the beginning of the conversation, where you want to think about what's going to be most handy to know for the person in front of you. Like not thinking about it in a way that like what's necessarily going to, like what lie can I tell to impress this person and get this job? But if I were to answer honestly in the context, I know this person is looking at me for, because there's certain, you know, decorum things for a job interview. And I trust y'all to know what those are. But I think it is a big, the big sort of separation line is, first of all, you do want to be honest and up and forthcoming, but you also want to think about who you're talking to and also what honest answers are going to give you the experience that you want to have. Because if you're, if they're like, Hey, do we, we work long hours. And sometimes we have people come on weekends. Is that okay with you? And if it's not, you want to say, no, it is not, but I tend to do my work at a rate where that's not necessary, even at past demanding jobs. So I think that's sort of where the honesty and authenticity line is, not just saying yes, 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 absolutely, and letting yourself get steamrolled. This comes down to, again, knowing your audience who's in front of you, and also, you know, being true true to your boundaries and values. If, if you're clear on those, as we discussed, you don't have to be crystal clear. You just have to know what works for you and what doesn't. Um, but I think that that tends to be 
the line. If you don't want to be lying just to get the job, because that's going to put you in a really terrible situation, get the job in my case, get the client. Um, Cause I see this too, where we have sales calls and I'll be asked some questions wet back in my copywriting days, especially that came up a lot. Like, how do you feel about working weekends? And I'd say for a long time, I was like, yep, like bring it on. Whatever has to be done. I'm a workhorse. Like half of how I built my business starting so young was I was like, I will outwork every single one of you. And then I died. Um, and fried myself and it was terrible and I would never recommend that to anybody. Um, so when that, when that would come up in conversation, I would say, you know, I, I do not. And if that's something that's a requirement, it's not going to be, I'm not going to be a fit for this role. Thank you so much. Um, but otherwise I think you, the place of oversharing is, is saying, no, I won't work on weekends because, you know, I have a one-legged dog who needs to be, you know, to <laughs> have his anal glands expressed every weekend at six o'clock. And I just don't have the time. Um, bet you didn't think of the word anal glands. <laughs> I'm sorry. My cats have been having some health problems. So it's on my mind. Um, but, but, okay. the, but you, you would want to say just no, no is a complete sentence. And you don't necessarily need to justify everything, but you want to think about like, what are expectations you want to, you, you want to set for yourself that, that for yourself, for the role and also the role for you. I think that may be a good dividing line in that conversation. Yeah. And I think pulling from some of your stuff, I think it really is that like, there's a book I think out there called like radical honesty or something like that. Right. Um, and people who haven't read it, take it to the extreme and they go, okay, so I can just say whatever I want to people and be a jerk. And like, I'm just going to be an a-hole. I'm going to go on Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's radical honesty includes taking the other person into account. Right. So like you could be, and to use the relationship things is always fun. So I appreciate bringing up like the dating analogy, but it's like, you can say like, Hey, uh, can you wash the dishes? A very benign statement. You could say it in a way that gets you punched in the face and you can say it in a way that actually gets the dishes done. And there's many ways to say it in between. And I think that that's where the, the fun of that question is. It's like, well, the way that you're expressing your honesty to me, your coach, is probably not the way you should tell it to the world. Or the way that I talk to my therapist is not the way I should talk to the world, right? And so it's like, there are lots of true ways to talk about things. And I think really sitting down and maybe even testing some of these out the way we've been talking about, like, create a sales message, put it out there, make a post on LinkedIn, see how people respond, things like that. Um, And I guess the, I like what you say, which is radically relevant, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not yep. just radical honesty, it's honesty yeah. that's relevant to who you're talking to. And so yep. if I'm in a conversation and they say, do you know this technology? I could just say no. And then yep. it's awkward silence. Or I could say, no, however, I know this, yep. this, this, and I could build on this and I could get up to speed in this much time. It's talking about the potential. And I think that is where I sort of want to wrap up things, which is when we're branding ourselves, are we branding ourselves backwards or are we branding ourselves forwards? Are we looking at the potential of what we can do? Are we looking at what we have done in the past and what should people be thinking about? 
Oh, geez, way to start an existential crisis, man. <laughs> um, I think so. In my opinion, I think branding should take in, should it's it's both. It takes into account where you've been because that's a big credibility builder. That's your knowledge base. That's who you are. But it also keeps into account where you want to be. How do you want to be coming across? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have? What kind of companies do you want to be putting your ta- pouring your talent into? It's so important to think about that. So it, it is both because branding is not only standing strong in who you are and what you know, but it's also setting a plan for where you want to be and using your branch to pursue that, especially in this context. Um, and this also, which uh, bring it back briefly to the authenticity point, this is, we talk a lot about the difference between like clarity of message and like cath- clarity of vulnerability that, that you're sharing from and like a catharsis side of vulnerability where you're like, I'm sad and my, my mom didn't hug me enough. And like, that's, that's something where we're oversharing. And so when it comes to branding, you want to think about, especially in the context of finding a career, you want to think about when you think about authenticity, when you think about showing up as your real self, that is looking at who you are, what you're bringing to the table and what that value is and pointing that in the direction with your brand that you want to be, that you want to go in. Um, And so ultimately, I think people ask me a lot if it's inauthentic to be speaking from a place of you know wanting something slightly different from what you have right now? And the answer is absolutely not. Um, but you want to be developing those ideas in public. You wanna be having those conversations as well so that when the opportunity presents itself, you at least have some of your concepts sorted out before you're ready to get to that next phase and people get a chance to get to know you in that way as well. I love it, Hillary. Um... Well, that brings us to the end here, but I'd love to share with the audience what you have going on and where they can find more about your work. Oh, this is where I get to use my radio show host voice. Are you ready? My name is Hillary Weiss, and you can check out my website at www.hillaryweiss.com. That's H-I-L-L-A-R-Y-W-E-I-S-S.com. I'm on Instagram at H-C-W-E-I-S-S. So that's H-C Weiss. That's C for my middle initial, which is Claire. Um, And you can find me on Twitter under the same handle. Um, As I mentioned a little earlier in the conversation, my freebies, a statement piece framework, which is all about prompts for content, exactly the kind we're talking about here today. Uh, You can also check out my YouTube show, Hamya. That's H-A-M-Y-A-W stands for Hillary and Margo Yell at Websites on YouTube. Come check it out. Uh, It's focused on entrepreneurs. We talk about so many challenges that people on the career path uh, face as well, including things like imposter syndrome, authenticity, as we've talked about, handling feedback, all that good stuff. So call on over, check it out, give us a subscribe, leave us a comment somewhere so I can find you and say hello. I'd love to meet you. And thank you so much, Martin, for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. It's been wonderful. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care, man. Bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.